Will overturning Roe versus Wade actually end abortion? Why should this be such an important subject for us as Christians to consider? And how can we truly transform evil hearts? The answers to these questions when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ, that we may teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. And you're here. I am. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I, I can't even tell you the number of emails. I think it's like four out of every five emails that I get. We, we miss Becky. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> It'll say that's like, so sweet. Dear Pastor Gabe and Becky, whom we miss, or something Aww. like that. That's that's what it'll say. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And and we're even here in Kansas. Like like yep. this isn't this wasn't uh, uh, recorded way early in the week. Nope. In preparation for uh, going to Indianapolis for the crucifixion conference. Voice. Yeah, I'm not doing well. <laughs> I've been fighting something all week, yeah. and it was finally, I mean, it was Wednesday night. I was supposed to be leaving on Thursday to go to Indy. Thursday morning. Right. Yeah. And Wednesday night, I was going, eh, I think I'm going to have to call it. Yep. I don't think I'm going to be able to go. Not yeah. feeling well. If it was any other year, I, I would go. But because it's 2020. I know. 2020 is crazy. Yeah. It's just full of craziness. I have enough symptoms that could potentially be coronavirus that it's better for me to just stay home. Not just that. I don't think it is. But <laughs> I don't think it is either. I'm just saying with with the with your immune system down as yeah. far as it is. Right. Fighting off whatever you've got cold wise. It it just would not be wise to go out and catch something more severe. Yeah, but I really wasn't thinking of me. I was thinking of other people. <laughs> if uh, or like a, if somebody else has something and then you go out and give them something right. In yeah, addition something to, like that. I because it's just not it's not wise. I've year. been sicker than this before, and I've you have. toughed it out. Oh and just, my goodness, yes, you have. <laughs> I was like, when you told me you weren't going, I was like, really. <laughs> Wow, I don't think I've ever heard you call in sick before or anything. You've never, never. This is this is odd. Yep. It's new to me. <laughs> yeah, so we didn't make it to Indy. We're both no. brokenhearted because we were looking yes. forward to this for months. Yes, months. Yeah. The majority of the year. <laughs> Most of the year. Ever yes. since Brandon talked to me about it uh, uh, back at G3. Yeah. I've been going, was. yeah, this would be great. Yes. Yeah. He even emailed me and said, hey, so can I get you for cruciform? And I said, I, I was pretty sure we already agreed on that. I thought that was the conversation at G3. Yeah. So I even had the expectation. of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and when I went to um, NRB, the National Religious Broadcasters, my dad received that award back in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was yeah. even somebody there at NRB that was asking me, hey, so I hear you might be teaching at cruciform here yeah. at the end of the year. Yeah. Yep. Sorry to let everybody down. It wasn't yeah. uh, wasn't on purpose. And that was that was not taken lightly either. Nope. Yeah. Well, next next week, this time next week, we should be in Texas. Lord willing. So we may have to yes. record this program early enough in the week if we're yeah. actually going to get one. Right. Because I have to pack up all this equipment. Yep. This room is empty. It's empty. <laughs> uh, if you're listening it's, it's with got a few boxes left. Yeah. If you're if you're listening with headphones or earphones. Yeah, the earbuds. Earbuds. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you can probably hear the resonance in here a, a little, little bit. Echo. Yeah. <laughs> There's a little bit of an it's echo. A little airier. It, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have no books on the shelf. There's nothing catching the sound at all. Yeah. So it's it's different. Yeah. It's still a carpeted room, but high ceiling in this room. Mm-hmm. When I first moved in here, I did not think that we would ever be able to record anything in here. Because mm-hmm. even outside this room, there's like a there's it's hard to describe, but there's a big empty room with a hard floor on it. Right. And when that room is empty, this room echoes. Yeah, really bad. Yeah. But then we filled that room up and then I put all my books in here and then mm-hmm. that dampened the sound a lot. Yep. Especially when I made it my sewing room. That's right. <laughs> all that material. Yeah, all the all the fabric. That really did dampen the sound. So in the beginning, when we moved into this house, I was still recording at the church uh-huh. because we just didn't think that there was a room here at the house that would work for that. But 
this became such a fantastic room. This is the part of the house that I'm going to miss the most. <laughs> it's, it's my study, which yeah. my wife gave to me. I did. She, We had an arrangement on what we were going to do with the room and we were going to share it. But no, for a yeah. birthday present one year, she even got some friends over. They did the whole room up and it was mine. She gave it to me. Yeah. We had the elders in here once a week. Yeah. Uh, I think we ate over 100 meals easily in this room. Easily. Yeah. Just with the elders gathering together and chatting about stuff and going through what I was going to be preaching on that weekend and, and things that were happening at the church encouraging and admonishing one another as yeah. you as you quoted from uh, Colossians 3 at the start of the That's of the right. podcast. Yeah, a lot of memories in this house. That was just that. That's just this room. Yep, that's just this room. <laughs> There's memories in every room we've had. I remember to... when we first moved in, you looked at this great big old um, bookshelf, and you're like, "There is no way I'm going to fill it up." I would never fill that up. Never. I really didn't. And though. you're like, "You can have like over half of this yeah. for all your school stuff." That's and right. Yet all of a sudden, I'm being pushed out. <laughs> <laughs> now, I only took I took two thirds of it. Yeah. You had these two shelves over here. Yep. That was. But I, I didn't keep hardly anything. No, you didn't. Yeah, sorry. Mostly went in another room. Yeah, that's okay. We've already had to paint over all of our fabulous artwork that our children did for us on our walls. I know. It's hard. Yep. Uh, I I, mean, I don't treasure it, like, but I think that it's it's cute. I know, right? But I I can't tell them until they're older. We would always tell them until they're older that we think it's cute. We would, yeah, because they had to get in trouble for it. They had to. They had to. So they would stop. (laughs) And we would always say, "We really should paint over that." No, it just stayed there. Just, just kind of became part of the house. (laughs) I'm sure the next owners are going to look around in here and they're going to find things like, "Oh, they had toddlers." Uh, Yeah. (laughs) This was a family with some kids in it. We can just kind of tell. Yes. Some of it is just uh, me clumsily carrying things up the stairs and knocking into walls while I was doing that. There was a lot of that. They found all the dings <laughs> plastered over all of my mistakes. Uh, all right. Well, we've chatted for seven or eight minutes about that. Yeah. There's our uh, pre-show banter right there. <laughs> yeah. This is the Friday edition of the program, and you can send your questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. We don't really have a lot of questions this week, no? but uh, I already know what we're we're going to go into here. So let me begin with... Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 15. This is before the children of Israel are about to go into the promised land. Moses is giving them the word of God here. Okay. And here is what God says to Israel. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, And by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days. And you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Heaven and earth still stands as witnesses to us at the present. And we are still being told to choose life so that you and your children may live. Mm -hmm. But there is a famine in pulpits all across America. The gospel is not being proclaimed with sound doctrine. People are, are pragmatizing. The scriptures, they are uh, turning it into self-help. They're turning it into God wants you to have your best life now. Sin is not being addressed. The law is not being given. Therefore, it is not being resolved with the gospel. It's just a lack of sound doctrine. There is not a love for the scriptures. There's no understanding of the scripture being inerrant and even sufficient to our very need. 
Right. And everything's getting incredibly watered down, especially when it comes to addressing sin. Mm. I saw this article. This was back in sin. Sin. What is sin? What we is know that? Sin. I know. Right. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> sin is lawlessness, according to First John. Uh, I remember having a, a confrontation with a youth leader that came and spoke at an event that we had at our church. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's kind of a long story as to how this ended up the way that it did. Anyway, he was quoting Romans 5, 8. God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's not what he said, though. He said God shows his love for us in that while we were messed up, Christ died for us. And I confronted him about that afterward and said, why did you say messed up and not sin? And his answer was, well, nobody knows what sin is. I said, you quote the verse for what it says, and then you teach it. That's your role as a teacher. Mm -hmm. You tell them what the Bible says. Don't twist it. Don't try to make it simpler for people to understand it. Say what it says and then help them understand it. Right. Then teach them what it what it means. Right. Uh, anyway, that is just absurd. But I hear a lot of preachers do that. Anyway, what I was going to say. That's how the message came around, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how the message Bible, right. Exactly that. Uh, I, I saw this back in April. There was a poll that was published by the Pew Research Center. And the headline was this. Few U.S. sermons mention abortion. It is very rare that you will walk into a church in America and you will ever hear a sermon about abortion. I mention it all the time. I mean, it is it is a holocaust mm. in our nation. You're talking 3,000 children being murdered by abortion every day, nearly a million per year, uh, uh, over 65 million since Roe v. Wade. And that's just in America in the book that I published back in January, the 2019 year in review, right. there was a story that was published on Discern, which is the uh, uh, the news site that was started by Adam Ford, mm -hmm. uh, did the Babylon Bee and you know Adam Ford comics. He started the Discern news site. And at the end of the year, he published an article showing that in 2019, abortion had killed more people that year than every other cause of death combined. Oh, wow. More children had been murdered by abortion than the total number of people who had died on planet Earth that year from any other cause. Oh, my goodness. That's how widespread abortion is on the planet. That's terrible. It, it is a holocaust of massive proportions. We have never seen this kind of bloodshed in the history of mankind. This is that serious an issue. And yet there are so many Christian teachers and apologists who are waxing on this politically. Mm. And this was most evidently demonstrated in a video that was published last weekend by Holy Post. Phil Vischer and his co-host Sky Jatani, mm -hmm. who did a video entitled What About Abortion? It was talking about the abortion issue among Christian voters in America. And they they uh, again, they wax on this politically. They just talk about it as a political issue. They never define it. They don't even seem to be all that alarmed by what is happening under the banner of abortion. Hmm. And I was really quite angry watching the video. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to adopt a much calmer demeanor here as we go through this. Okay, good. <laughs> I have to. You have to. In, in order yes. to, to get through this with, with sound mind here. Yes. Correcting opponents with gentleness mm -hmm. as we're instructed. 2 Timothy 2.25, 1 Peter 3.15. So first thing I want to do here. Spirit, fruit, that's fruit of the spirit. Self-control. Fruit of the spirit is self-control. That's right. Uh, but still doing this in love. This is in love even for if I was having this conversation with Vischer and with Jitani. Mm -hmm. But most especially for you as listeners that you may understand these things well according to what God's word says that we may choose life that we and our children may live. First thing I want to do here is I want to play the what video that I made in response to the what about abortion video. Okay. And then we're going to go through Sky Jatani's arguments in that video. What? Look, let's make this really simple. Do not vote for politicians in favor of legalizing the murder of children. 
That's pretty basic, right? And yet there are many Christian teachers who want you to feel at peace with voting for baby murderers, as if this is no big deal. In a Holy Post video, Phil Vischer, the creator of VeggieTales, and Sky Jatani argue that abortion should not be the single issue that determines how Christians vote. After all, Republican appointments to the Supreme Court have not ended abortion, and even if Roe v. Wade were overturned, it would not end abortion anyway. Therefore, a Christian should vote for the party of baby murder? How is that a reasonable argument? Though the video is titled, What About Abortion?, Vischer and Jatani never actually say what abortion is. Abortion is a holocaust, the murder of unborn children, 3,000 in America each day, about 1 million per year, burned with chemicals, ripped apart with forceps, decapitated with scissors, sacrificed for mom and dad's sexual immorality. According to God's word, Exodus 21 says that justice for the murder of an unborn child is the same justice as for the murder of an adult. Romans 1.32 says, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Repent of your sin, turn to Jesus for forgiveness, and do not vote for baby murderers when we understand the text. Now, I would love to be able to respond to some of the comments that y'all left on that video. Mm -hmm. Of course, I've turned the comments off on YouTube for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't understand why uh, myself or Todd Friel or a lot of other Christian video producers on YouTube, if you don't understand why we're shutting comments off, I don't think you've read enough comment sections <laughs> on YouTube. At least not of video, like things videos that you guys uh do because i mean for like one good comment there are hundreds of oh, terrible yeah awful comments oh yeah people telling me to kill myself and i i mean that's and that's light that's compared to even some of the comments i get an easy comment yeah that that's even one of the lighter side uh, of the yeah. comment and especially on a subject like this this is what would generate most of the vitriol yeah. but anyway the uh, uh i do get comments on facebook Mm -hmm. And I had over 30 there were at one point when I was alerted to people leaving responses on Facebook. I pulled it up and there were 36. The number said 36. Mm -hmm. But when you clicked on comments, you could only see four. Interesting. And I tried to expand it out because there's an option there where mm -hmm. it says even show hidden comments. But the hidden comments weren't coming up. Hmm. And I, uh, I kind of came back to it later and checked on it. And then. The number eventually reflected the actual number of comments that I could see, which was four. Interesting. But I know that not, all, not it was more than four comments that were left. Of course. Facebook deleted them. Mm-hmm. And it's because this is a video where I say abortion is murder. Yeah. This is the way Facebook is. They do this with a lot of sites. Just ask the Babylon Bee. Constantly monitoring and censoring and whatnot. I mean, it's their site. They can do whatever they want. It's still not fair. No. It's uh, very unfortunate that I am not able to read your comments. But anyway, we're going to be responding to the actual video, uh, the the what about abortion video that Sky Jatani did. And then if I've got some time at the end, and I hope we will, we're going to look at Phil Vischer's follow up comments Okay. at the end of that video. It's really sad how these two men view this issue. Hmm. Here is the Holy Post video entitled, What About Abortion? Which, again, never actually tells you what abortion is. It's okay. called What About Abortion, but they never tell you what it is. Hmm. It, we're just going through the political mumbo-jumbo over this as if it were just an issue, not the murder of children. Okay. Here's, here's Phil Vischer. I was in high school in the early 1980s when evangelical Christians first started focusing on abortion. Whoa, flag on the play. We've already got a problem there. What's the problem with that? First started? Yeah, right. Really? First started focusing? Yeah, Christians just started talking about abortion in the 1980s? Hmm. See, this it's is... been around for a while. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let, let's say, uh, uh, well, going back to the beginning of the Bible... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, even after the even after the Bible was completed, you're talking about the completion of canon Genesis to Revelation, 66 books in the Bible. Mm -hmm. One of the earliest writings in the history of the church was the teaching of the 12 apostles known as the Didache. 
It was written in either the late first century or the early second century. So even before we had the official canon of the scripture finalized the way that we have it today, you had the teaching of the 12 apostles. And in that teaching in the early church, it says this, there are two ways, one of life and one of death. And between the two ways, there is a great difference. That sounds a lot like Deuteronomy 30, which we just read from. Yes. And it says in the Didache, late first century, early second century, do not murder a child by abortion or kill a newborn infant. That's in the Didache. There you have it. We have been talking about this for as long as the church has been around. This did not become an issue in the 1980s. This was an issue long before that. Phil Vischer, when he does these Holy Post videos, this is what these videos just, they, they irritate me so much every time I watch them. He is crafting a narrative. And from his very first sentence, he is setting the uh, the the tone. Yeah, he's setting the stage for you. Right. This the you have to abide by his rules yeah. when you listen to his arguments in this video, and he's already wrong. From the very beginning, he is being dishonest. Hmm. This is not where Christians' interest in the issue of abortion began. It was not in the 1980s. It goes all the way back to the very beginning of the church. Okay. If we're going to get through this with you having a cool head, you need to take a breath in <laughs> and take a breath out. Okay. Let me let me lean back here. There we go. Okay. All right. Now let, are you ready? Let's go. Okay. Let's continue on. That's why I have you here, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you don't think that you can chime in. Oh, my goodness. You're getting intense already. <laughs> uh, yeah. You'll, you'll be here to calm me down. Here yep. we go. And the one thing we all agreed on was that overturning Roe versus Wade was the key to reducing abortion in America. Forty years later, we still haven't overturned Roe. Today, some pro-life evangelical Christians are asking whether this is still the right focus of so much of our attention. Is overturning Roe the key to reducing abortion? Our friend David French made an argument that really got us thinking. And when my podcast co-host Sky Jatani echoed that argument on Twitter, people said, hey, you should make a video about that. So we did. Here's my buddy Sky trying to answer the question, is overturning Roe versus Wade the key to reducing abortion in America? And if it isn't, what is? It's okay if you disagree, but it's worth having the conversation. Okay, here it is. So in that segment, he began by saying that the key to reducing abortion in America is by eliminating Roe v. Wade. Right. Uh, one of the frustrating things about this is a lot of these arguments are going to be assumed. Mm -hmm. I've never made that argument. I've never said the key to reducing abortion in America is by eliminating Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. We need to do that. We do. But that's not what's going to transform the hearts of people to not want to murder their children. Right. And want to raise godly families. I mean, that's going to take the gospel. Yeah, that's going to take people hearing the message of the gospel of Christ, knowing about their sin, being convicted to their hearts, repenting of sin, believing in Jesus, being forgiven of their sin, and then wanting to walk in the light of the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's where that transformation is going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen because we overturn Roe v. Wade. So I've never said and I've never really heard the argument built on that foundation, that the key to ending abortion is by eliminating Roe v. Wade. We need to end Roe v. Wade because it is a murderous, uh, well, it's it's a murderous court decision. I was going to say it's a murderous legislation. It wasn't legislation. It was a decision by the courts, but it was right. legislating from the bench. Yeah. It became law because the Supreme Court decided this. Uh, anyway, we do need to overturn that because of it would actually save lives, which Sky Jatani is going to argue in this video, yet he's still going to go about it like this is not really that big a deal. Uh, yeah, and um, when when people don't understand the basic of right and wrong, like it's wrong to kill a baby. Yes. Wrong. They're, they're not going to understand how to raise that child in the right. Yeah, when, like the, when the, exactly when the so, life doesn't have value when it's in the womb, right? They don't see value of the life outside the womb either. Exactly, and so I I, I completely agree. I'm just saying that as a 
back you up. Certainly. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But the way that we go about this. So he says there at the end, we need to have the conversation. This sounds like a couple of guys at a Starbucks with some lattes just sitting around talking about this is like just debating an issue. The whole thing about him giving us permission to disagree. I feel like one of those. Um, I expect you to change your mind, but you're not going to change my mind. Well, yeah, that is set up. That's what they want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And this. And well, obviously, because of how they're setting up the situation. Right. right. This talk will lean Democrat. Uh, Obviously. They won't ever give an endorsement of a party. It won't be vote Republican or vote Democrat, but it leans Democrat. The Mm -hmm. argument leans Democrat. So we'll talk about that as we go here. For almost 50 years, Christians have been told that who you support for president will either save or sacrifice the lives of unborn babies. This has led a lot of pro-life Christians to become single-issue voters, willing to overlook everything else about a candidate as long as they're against abortion. When a candidate's bad character or unchristian policies are brought up, the response is often, yeah, but abortion. So once again here, because we have not established that abortion is the murder of children, Mm-hmm. Jatani has the freedom now through this argument to equate bad character with murdering children. Yeah. Um, you, you, there's you get a what difference. he's saying there? Right. There's a big difference. A massive difference. Big, big, big difference. But it's like, why are we electing politicians with bad character just to eliminate abortion? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I wish that our elected officials were fine, upstanding gentlemen. I wish they were. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of, unfortunately, rude. We live in a sinful world. Yeah, exactly. There are no perfect people. Yes. None. Not a one. But their bad character, the way that they act in public, in the way that they interact with people, calling names or even swearing openly, you know, something like that. Yeah. That is not the same as killing children. Exactly. Killing children. It, I mean, yeah, the, just the the insanity of thinking <laughs> that it's OK. I, I know you're, you're trying to find words here. It's like, duh, this people, is not duh. OK. <laughs> this is basic. Uh, right. I know. And I'm sorry. I'm, I need to be cool. See, yeah, right. You're supposed Rawr. to be the one keeping me. OK, so cool. Sane. OK, so. <laughs> Back to coolness. <laughs> All right, let's let's go on. We'll okay, let so we'll let Jatani talk a little bit no, more. No, <laughs> this would not help. So what I'm saying is, um, it is absolutely foolish of us to think that it is equal to have bad character and be murderers, right? Helpless mm-hmm. beings. These little children that we should be caring for. Uh, whereas when you have a, a, a politician with bad character, that's unfortunate. A- yeah. Abortion is murder. Right. Two totally different things. So let's continue on. The argument looks something like this. My vote determines the president. The president nominates justices to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court can overturn Roe v. Wade and overturning Roe will make abortion illegal and save babies. Let's unpack what's wrong with this argument and why your vote for president might not impact abortion the way you think. Let's look at three common assumptions. Number one, a Republican president will appoint pro-life justices to the Supreme Court to end abortion. Since the Roe decision in 1973, Republican presidents have appointed 11 justices to the Supreme Court, and very soon it could be 12. Democratic presidents have only appointed four. For 49 of the last 50 years, Republicans have held the majority on the Supreme Court. So I do have to say that put things that did put something in a certain perspective. He actually used facts. Yeah, that's right. And I had to go and double check his facts on that. I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) There was something about that argument that put that into a certain perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a certain way I wish this video would have gone. It could have been more informative in that from that vantage point. Okay, as though to say we need to be putting more pressure on our elected Republican politicians because there's been plenty of opportunities there for them to do more than they have done Mm. and it hasn't gotten accomplished. Now, uh, on the other hand, though, the Supreme Court thing, okay, this this battle for the Supreme Court is relatively new in American history. This isn't a recent thing and, and it is 
it's legislating from the bench, as I mentioned earlier. So it's the liberals realizing that there were certain policies that they could not get through Congress. So instead, they legislated from the bench Hmm. and got these things passed through appointed judges who aren't elected. They don't have to go stand for elections. You know what I mean? We don't elect judges. Yeah, right. We elect the politicians who appoint those judges. Right. So we're going to let the judges take care of this. That way, I don't have to put myself in a position of passing laws that I'm now going to have to stand in front of the people and defend when it comes time to get reelected. Oh, wow. Sneaky. Yeah. This all started with the liberals, and that's not a perspective that that Jatani is is using there. So then the uh, uh, the Republican control of the Supreme Court became the conservative response to the liberals that were legislating from the bench, Mm. which is still happening in a lot of the lower courts, even though Republicans may have controlled uh, the Supreme Court over the last 50 years. So again, the statistic that he shows there did put things in a certain perspective, but it's the approach of the whole argument that's just way off base. Right. So we're going to continue here. But it's good information. That is good information. Yeah. This is good for us to know. Right. Despite this Republican domination of the court for five decades, it hasn't overturned Roe. For example, in 1992, Republicans had an eight-to-one majority on the Supreme Court. Five of those eight Republican justices had been appointed by Reagan or Bush, both stridently pro-life presidents. And that one Democratic justice on the court, Byron White, he voted against Roe in 1973. But when a case came before the court that year, which could have overturned Roe, the Republican-appointed justices didn't do it. Instead, they reaffirmed the right to an abortion. Now, the decision that he's talking about there was Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Okay. And when that ruling came down in 1992, it stunned everybody, even the judges on the Supreme Court. Hmm. The Supreme Court thought that they had the majority and they thought they were going to strike down Roe v. Wade. They thought that was going to happen in 1992. But then suddenly some of those justices randomly just changed their minds. And mm. I won't I won't go into like the backstory. I've read all of this before. But, uh, but but anyway, all of that to say that this isn't a sort of a thing where you're looking back on this going, well, they had the chance to do it and they just didn't do it. Look, justices don't think with the mind of the president that put them there. Right. Those justices are individual human beings. Right. And they're prone to change their mind. Right. And when they were sitting there on the Supreme Court and they had an opportunity to overturn Roe v. Wade, there were some of the conservative justices that chickened out Mm -hmm. and they changed their minds and it stunned everybody. And I'm sure it's just because everything's turning towards um, abortion being health care. Yeah, right. Well, that's certainly the way it's talked about now. It was shortly after that that it became health care. Like it wasn't abortion anymore. It wasn't terrible anymore. It was... Changing the narrative. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, Justice Antonin Scalia, he was one that wrote one of the most scathing dissents following that decision and and basically said, we're legislating from the bench when we're making decisions like this. Uh, Anyway, also the way that Jatani kind of crafts that is not totally honest. Oh, so he said there that since. Yeah. Since 1973, uh, uh, you know, these number of justices that were appointed that were Republican Well, the uh, Supreme Court in 92, when the Casey decision was made, not all of those justices, with the exception of the one that he cited, not all those justices had been appointed since 1973. Some of them were still on the bench from before Roe v. Wade. Hmm. So he's not Ah. quite showing the whole picture there. Gotcha. Uh, Anyway, let's continue. And even as recently as 2020, a Louisiana law restricting abortion was struck down by Chief Justice John Roberts, who was appointed by George W. Bush. And here's the important part. In his ruling, Roberts cited the legal principle of stare decisis. That's the belief that the court should abide by its previous rulings. So for decades, the Republican-dominated Supreme Court has only reaffirmed rather than reversed Roe v. Wade. And if Chief Justice Roberts says the court should abide by its previous rulings, it's looking less and less likely that the court will ever overturn Roe, no matter how many conservatives are on it. Starry decisis is a bad argument, and so is Jatani's conclusion. How's that? They're both bad arguments. So first of all, 
uh, John Roberts' decision to uphold decisions that have already been made by the Supreme Court. That's a that's unconstitutional. You're supposed to be judging based on what the Constitution says, not what the court has previously decided, because courts made up of sinful people, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. can make bad decisions. Very true. So you need to be able to allow the fact to reexamine those things and go, look, the court was wrong when they made this decision. The Constitution says this. We need to go with the Constitution, not with what the court says. Right. So stare decisis is not the is not the law of the land. Right. It's the Constitution that has established our laws. That's what it is that the Supreme Court is supposed to be upholding, not previous Supreme Court decisions. But then Jatani goes on to say that because Roberts rules according to stare decisis, that makes it less likely we will ever see Roe v. Wade overturned. That's a foolish conclusion, too. That is very foolish. Because it's it's a bad argument for Roberts to make, but wait for somebody else to come along that replaces Roberts and does not believe the same way that he does. Mm-hmm. These things do need to be reexamined. And by the way, when when we were talking before about how uh, you know, it was a, it was a shock when the Supreme Court justices ruled in 1992 the way that they did on Casey. Right. Roberts change has been a shock to a lot of people as well. Roberts has really shifted liberal. He is not a conservative justice, hmm. though he was appointed by George W. Bush. We do not consider Roberts a conservative justice anymore. Interesting. He uh, went with the liberals when it came to upholding Obamacare. Hmm. And Roberts has even said, or it was somebody from his office or a clerk that worked in his office said something like Roberts just did not want to be the guy who was going to be known for voting against Obamacare. He did not want his court Ah. because he's the chief justice. So you consider it the Roberts Supreme Court. Okay. He didn't want his court to be the one that went against socialized health care, basically. Just like the Supreme Court that past Roe v. Wade or that ruled on Roe v. Wade, that's the Burger Supreme Court because it was Warren Burger who was the chief justice. Mm-hmm. Whoever the chief justice is, his name ends up on that Supreme Court. And Roberts. Oh, I see. Yeah. He just doesn't want to be the guy that gets tagged on to some of these things that are going to end up being some of the most controversial decisions in American history. Yeah. The, the guy Forever. doesn't. Yeah. The guy doesn't have courage. Yeah. And that's on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it is not. Backbones. Re- Where are the backbones? Yeah. It, it is really not an argument yeah. for, look, all these conservative justices are failures anyway. No, there are guys that are going to have these to. These are not easy decisions, and I don't envy anybody that has to make them, but I, we need them made. Yeah. And we need them. And we need courageous people we making them. We need them. Yes. yes. So, again, I think Robert's. Uh, approach to the Supreme Court is wrong. And I think that Jatani's conclusion at the end of that is also wrong. Yeah. Uh, We're going to go on here and he's going to quote David French. By the way, David French is a guy that uh, I used to love David French. But I kind of name sound familiar. uh, He's a a, a political commentator. That's really what he's known for now is just political commentary. Okay. but used to be an attorney. Uh, He has written for the National Review. Um, He is a veteran Okay. And like I said, used to be very conservative, but he started going weird on a lot of different subjects. Like, for example, he has defended the right for drag queens to do drag queen story time at libraries. Oh. At public libraries. That's not at all conservative. And he went on this weird kick. um, And I think he was doing this through the National Review, or it could have been from his uh, own personal blog. But he was writing reviews, rave reviews, like praising reviews of Game of Thrones. He was this huge Game of Thrones fan, which I've said is it's a night-themed porn show. Yeah. Christians should not be watching Game of Thrones. And yet he is praising this show from the rooftops. Hmm. The guy just went in a totally strange direction. And lately he has been so never Trump, so anti-Trump. That a lot of his arguments are are just really bad. Hmm. And a lot of what French and Jatani are basing their arguments off of here is stuff that David French has said. Some of French's conclusions are wrong. And therefore, what Jatani's going to say here is a reflection of some of those things I've read from David French. Gotcha. That's why David French, a civil liberties lawyer and strong pro-life conservative, says this. For almost three decades, the Supreme Court lesson has been clear. Put not your trust in judges to rescue America from the moral stain of abortion. 
Right now, you might be thinking, but Sky, those justices from the 80s and 90s were too moderate. We still need more serious pro-life people on the Supreme Court, and then things will change. That brings us to the second assumption. Overturning Roe is the key to ending abortion. Politicians talk about Roe v. Wade a lot. Republicans get their voters excited by promising to overturn it, and Democrats get their voters fired up by vowing to defend it. You'd think the entire issue of abortion hangs on this one case. But the truth is a lot more complicated than that. Here's what people forget. The Roe decision in 1973 did not legalize abortion, and simply reversing Roe wouldn't make it illegal. For example, according to the CDC, in 1972, the year before Roe, there were nearly 600,000 legal abortions in the U.S. That doesn't account for the thousands of abortions that were unreported or performed by unlicensed doctors. And in those states where abortion was illegal before Roe, it was still way more common than you might think. In Michigan, for example, in 1971 to 72, nearly 30,000 women traveled to New York for an abortion. We might assume that because biblical values were commonplace at America's founding, that abortion must have been illegal and super rare until recently. But actually, it's just the opposite. In 1776, abortion was legal everywhere in the United States. In fact, abortion was so widespread in America in the 19th century that one doctor in Missouri said, quote, the evidence will bear out the assertion that in no age of the world has there been a more reckless disregard for the lives of unborn human beings than in this present age and among the civilized and professedly Christianized nations of the earth. And that was in 1874, nearly a hundred years before Roe v. Wade. Significant restrictions on abortion didn't start appearing in some states until the late 19th and early 20th century. But even after those laws were passed, in the 1930s, doctors still performed an estimated 800,000 abortions every year. That's about the same number that's happening today. So the idea that before Roe, abortion was illegal and rare in America is just not true. That false narrative, however, is very useful to both political parties. Republicans act like the country before Roe was a Christian utopia, and Democrats present the pre-Roe America as a hell on earth for women. But neither is entirely true. Again, folks, this is all narrative building. And the conclusion that he comes to at the end of this narrative that he is constructing doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Basically, Roe v. Wade is not what established abortion in America anyway. So overturning Roe v. Wade is not going to end it. And so therefore what? We shouldn't be focusing on overturning Roe v. Wade? That's an absurd conclusion. That doesn't make any sense. If we overturn Roe v. Wade, it will set a precedent. And then there will be much more decline in abortion that follows. Won't it like start the ball rolling? Yeah. If, in like a domino effect. Right. Kind of thing? Right. If we can overturn Roe v. Wade, then we can start passing laws mm -hmm. that make abortion illegal. But we can't like states are not able to do this. A state like our state in Kansas. We're mm -hmm. in Kansas. Right. Kansas cannot pass a law making abortion illegal. It will go to the Supreme Court and then the Supreme Court will overturn it because Roe v. Wade. Starry right. decisis. We're going to we're going to uphold the decision that was made back in 1973. So therefore, abortion is going to remain legal in Kansas. Okay? OK, even if Kansas by itself wanted to pass the law to make it illegal. That's what Roe v. Wade decided back in 1973, that the states cannot make abortion illegal. It is okay. abortion on demand. If a woman wants to go get an abortion, she can get an abortion and the states can't make it illegal. Okay. Hence why you had the border jumping like what Jatani was talking about there. Gotcha. But if we overturn Roe v. Wade, it sets a precedent. And then you have many other laws that get passed that make abortion illegal. If it doesn't start there, then all the other attempts to make abortion illegal won't work. Right. Because it will just go back to Roe v. Wade. That's why it has to be overturned. Furthermore, look at this. That's the practical argument. Okay, there's the logic argument. Right. Look at this from a scriptural argument. Understand the the principle that is laid down in Galatians 3.24 about the law. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So the argument that Paul makes there about the law is that it's a teacher. 
If the law says it's okay for you to kill an unborn child, then people think it's okay. Right. And this is where people are going insane. Right. Because they they don't even know the basics of right and wrong. This is driving me crazy. We're losing common sense here over this kind of thing. But again, so Jatani is building this narrative. All of that sounded like, you know, pretty interesting historical information. Obviously, they don't know the difference either. Right. But but again, he's just talking about this as though it's a political issue, not understanding. We're talking about the murder of children. Right. There are certain things that would have to happen in order to change the law. Now, I agree with some of the conclusions that he's going to make at the end of the video that the the things that change hearts is not uh, uh, over or it's not electing a certain president. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we get everything changed. Completely agree. Okay. Right. It's going to be the ministry that we do. Right. That is going to backbones with people with backbones, with courage to do it. Absolutely. That's going to be what's going to make the most difference. Yes. But we still should change the law. Yes. Yes. I don't understand why he's approaching this as like an either or. Well, it's not going to work anyway, so we shouldn't oh, do it. because the separation of state and church. Church and state. You're right. Eh. I, he doesn't ever mention that, but I Well, of course not. Yeah. Because that's like taboo anymore. I just don't understand why. Well, it's not going to work anyway so that we shouldn't do it. No, we should do the personal evangelism uh, and we should change the law. We need yes. to do both. <sighs> anyway, okay, I'm going to go on. Yes, why not? <laughs> that's also why overturning Roe wouldn't be a decisive win. Instead, we would just return to the state-by-state patchwork of laws that existed before 1973. And just like before 1973, women living in a state without abortion could still cross state lines to see a doctor or just order an abortion-inducing drug over the internet, which wasn't possible in 1973. According to the study, the most optimistic outcome would be a nationwide reduction of 12%. That's why David French said, quote, even if Roe is overturned, abortion will be mostly unchanged in the U.S., end quote. So if she were in a state that had abortion illegal and she ordered a pill over the internet and she took it and aborted her baby, which means she killed her baby, right? that would mean she's a murderer mm-hmm. and she would be tried. Right. If abortion's illegal. Right. Exactly. Right. And that would... Hello, that's a change. Yeah. So Jatani here is saying that we, we would just go back to the patchwork of laws state by state. Well, maybe, but we can also establish a federal law at the top saying murder is illegal, people. Yes. The murder of unborn children is illegal. That's the and one it's thing wrong. Yeah. It's the one thing he doesn't want to say. Oh. It's like he's avoiding uh, even approaching this from the understanding that. Abortion is the murder of a child. And by the way, that statistic that he mentions there about women ordering pills on the Internet and aborting that way. Right. Remember that because we're going to talk in a moment here about the reduction of abortions. And I don't believe these statistics for a second. Mm. I think the reason why. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. Yeah. The reason why we've seen a reduction in abortions is because of the abortion pill. Yeah. They may not be going to the clinic, but they're still getting their abortions over the counter. That's right. I know what you're thinking, but Sky, 12% is still a lot of abortions. That's a lot of babies. If overturning Roe will save even 1%, isn't it worth it? Yes, of course it is. The issue is not whether overturning Roe would help. It would. The issue is what will help the most. Again, I just don't understand why it can't be a both and. We need to overturn abortion and we need to we uh, we need to overturn Roe v. Wade and we also need to do these other things. Yeah, I don't get it. If you see a reduction of 12 percent of abortions by overturning Roe v. Wade, that's huge because that he I don't know. He thinks that's the end goal. I don't know. I don't know what it is either. Uh, now. I heard the podcast episode that Phil Vischer and Sky Jatani and their other couple of co-hosts. I heard the conversation that they had in the podcast that led up to this video. Okay. And again, same thing in that episode. They're just waxing politically about abortion. They never define it. It's just a couple of guys with their lattes just talking politics. Oh, okay. It's not really concern over the loss of unborn life. And there was at one point in the episode where Phil Vischer said, I would do anything 
to reduce the number of abortions. Anything? And that's what he said. Obviously not. And then later on, when they get to that statistic, that overturning Roe would would only reduce abortions by 12 percent. He just kind of shrugs at it. And it's like you just contradicted yourself. Whoa. You you just said you would you would do anything to reduce abortions. But then once you're shown statistical information, I, I think that's really a theory more than anything. We don't know this for sure. But once you're shown a statistic the overturning of Roe v. Wade would reduce abortions by 12%. You just shrug at it. So you would not actually do anything to try to reduce abortions. Again, backbones. Well, yeah. And defining our terms here, oh. understanding that abortion is the murder of children. We're not talking about. And what defining what anything, what what is anything? What would anything be? Yeah, he when he says do. anything, yeah. any, I would be willing to do anything, anything to reduce. What is anything? Yeah. Explain that to me. <laughs> so it needs to be a both and. Yes, there are things we need to do on the ground. Helping your, your local pregnancy center, evangelism yes. on the street, the yes. churches being involved in caring for women with pregnancy, with, with unplanned pregnancies. Be open for fostering. Yeah. Adoption. Fo- foster, adoption. Uh, uh, working in your community, working in your state, and then going out to the federal level. I agree with that. I've always been a small government guy. Yeah. I've always said that the most change that you can make is with your next door neighbor. Yes. Right where you are. Well, it's with your family. The way you love and care for your family first is mm-hmm. the most impact you're going to make on your community. Yes. And then how are you loving your neighbor? How are you involved in your church? You're loving the people within your own church. How are you going out and doing evangelism? Things of this nature. Those are going to be the things that make the biggest impact. But again, it's a both and we do that and we try to change the law from the top so that we make murder illegal again. Make what is wrong, wrong again. That's right. And what is right, right. And then people won't be as insane. We choose life so that you and your children may live. Amen. Deuteronomy 30. Let's see how much more of this we can get in before we have to close out. How much more I can take? Should Christians continue following the same path they've been on for the last 50 years of ignoring every other issue to elect a pro-life president? And again, that's a total straw man. Where where has that ever been stated? That we're overlooking every other issue just to focus on pro-life. That's ridiculous. What it comes down to is this. What I said in the what video response to this. Do not vote for politicians who are for legalizing the murder of children, period. Yeah. Yes, that is a single issue. Okay, breathe. <laughs> yep. Hey, you, hey, before going into that, you said how much more of this I can take. So I did. I, I think we've we both kind of come to the end. Yep, of... we did. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right, I'll you go get, ahead and finish there. You guys there. understand. Yeah. And it's okay to stop. And realize that you can't take any more. That's right. And just call it a day. <laughs> we've made the arguments we're going to make. Everything that he's going to say from this point on is just going to be reiterating what we've already said. Yep, repeat. So, yeah, there's there's just so much that it's just the world is upside down right now. And we need to work hard at putting it right back up. Right. Again. Upright. Upright again. Upright again. Right. <laughs> Which is why Dan Phillips down in Houston is referred to this as the world tilting gospel. <laughs> the world is upside down because of sin, right side up by the work of Christ, Amen. who is making all things new. I'm going to read to you here, uh, concluding with 2 Timothy chapter 3, and then I'm going to go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to read these things out of order here. Okay. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3, 1. But understand that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, hmm. for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Hmm. Now let me go back to 2 Timothy 2, 22. 
So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Hmm. Repent of your sin, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and go and preach the gospel. Amen. And just to add this in here one more time, mm-hmm. do not vote for baby murderers. Yes. Let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we, we ask for your grace upon us, for we desperately need you. We are all sinners fallen from the glory of God. We deserve judgment. We all deserve that. I have sinned. Becky has sinned. Every listener that is listening has sinned. We deserve the wrath of God. But you are gracious and merciful to us and gave your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. May we turn to Christ to be forgiven our sins, and then take this message of the gospel to everyone, for it is only by the gospel that a heart is transformed. Going from a person that loves death and evil to someone who values life and uh, and has eternal life and desires God and wants others to know God, wants to please God, walks in uprightness all their days. This happens because of the transformation of the Holy Spirit in the heart of a person who turns to Christ and believes. Be merciful on us, O God, and may a a revival sweep this land, a repentance to turn from sin, to turn to Christ, that we and our children may live. We pray that we would be faithful in our homes, raising up our children in in the training and the instruction of the Lord, husbands loving their wives, wives submitting to their husbands, that we make a difference with our neighbor, that we are faithful in our church, that we're encouraging and admonishing one another in the body, uh, and that we're making a difference in our communities and in our states and in our nation. Sending out disciples, preaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded. And we have this promise in Matthew 28, 20, Lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Be with us, dear Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Check, check. It's right here. Whoa. My Bible is here. Am I good? It's all good. <sighs> wow. It's so empty. I know. There's an echo. Echo, echo, echo. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, Where'd so all weird. my books go? So I feel so helpless without my books. Fortunately, right here on this desk, I have four Bibles. One, two, three, four. There you go. I feel set. <sighs> okay, you ready? Your script is it's here. Chili. We had chicken fried steak. But it's chili. Country fried steak. Chicken fried steak. That's dumb. That's a dumb name. It is dumb. It's steak. I don't understand why they call it chicken. Fried. Chicken fried steak. Like you fry it it's like chicken is fried? It's just fried steak. Fried Country fried steak. Country. It's not chicken.
That's weird. And no, the the more ridiculous one is chicken fried chicken. I know, right? What is that? I have no idea. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just so you know what mystery meat's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was some restaurant that came up with that. Like, we need everybody to know this we is chicken. We need to know. <laughs> so funny. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ, that we may teach and admonish one another in the wisdom. With all with, wisdom. With all wisdom. What? I can't turn this. No, you it? can't. I know. Because uh, you have your Bibles behind it. <laughs> You full bubbles. Bubbles. Use those muscles. I'm going to drop these on the, on the computer. Right there. All right. Okay, here we go. Man, this chair is creaky. Yes, it is. We're we are throwing this away. This is not going with us. You have mentioned that before. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it hasn't happened And yet. yet it's still in here. It's still here. I mean, you talked about that years ago. I think, yeah, I think I was, I was saying when we moved into this house. So uh-huh. let's, let's throw this chair away. Yep. You've tried. I'm still sitting in it. Yep. Because you didn't find a one to replace it. Are you going to blow your nose? <laughs> yes, I am. All right. I won't talk about it. I'm then. So, just so sad over this chair. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh. <laughs> All right. 